This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we are talking Tiger Tail and Uncorked. Popping the cork. On that tiger steak. It's another one. I got that juice. juice. New AP. She got that juice. juice, juice. She got that squeeze. She got that wet. wet, wet. I'm on them skis. I got that drip. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello. Hi. Out Now is a film podcast, which is Abe and I discussing new movies and more weekly. We dig into new movies via a mostly spoiler free review, the occasional commentary, or some other fun movie topics. This is episode 401. 401. We're back with the numbers, baby. That's right. And this week we're doing a, a double review. We have Tiger Tail and Uncorked, both available on Netflix currently. And joining us to talk Tiger Tail and Uncorked, we have from Movies Marcus, he's got a plate of ribs and some dumplings. It's Marcus Robinson. Hello, I'm back. A plate of ribs and dumplings? Uh-huh. I like That's, that. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> you never heard about Asian soul? <laughs> Actually, no, I have heard of that, for sure. <laughs> that, that's a real thing yeah i know <laughs> marcus how are you doing i'm all right you know i'm hanging in there good and with the end of the world and everything i'm doing pretty well yeah well you know we're only four weeks so we got we got uh, 24 oh more. my god only 20, four weeks 24 more until things get really crazy <laughs> oh my god <laughs> you do that math there's a good joke there i think but okay <laughs> but, um, i'm gonna try to make it through this entire podcast without coughing so i don't freak anybody out that'll help oh that's my, my promise you, you to you. a high bar um <laughs> let's see let's get let's get to some show notes real quick uh, first up before we start anything happy easter and happy passover to anybody celebrating the holidays Yes, um, indeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. And um, so let's go over some some new show protocol, show rules, show plans for the time with, going with forward. With the, uh, the current environment, yeah? Yes, with the current environment where we're all sheltering in place and dealing with the COVID-19 outbreak and what have you. Uh, obviously, the theaters are closed, which have been for you know a few weeks now. Um, new movies aren't going to be coming out theatrically, let alone people are going to be seeing them in you know swarms. So... To rectify this, to solve the situation, Abe and I have come up with some new plans to kind of evolve the show and deal with uh, the situation at hand and how to kind of cover things. So what we're proposing is actually beneficial to the listeners that can't you know, get enough of us. Abe and I are going to be doing a couple of, sh- of shows a week at this point. So these episodes, these episodes that we record on Sunday, are typically going to be movie reviews, as normal, but they're going to be uh, shortened by the segments. So we're not going to have the full-on episodes as we've been normally doing. We're going to instead generally have either these kind of mini-reviews or shows that are basically more abbreviated. So we'll be focusing mainly on the reviews, perhaps some feedback and anything else if we you know, deem fit for said episode. Uh, but yeah, so that's going to be one epi- the first episode of the week. Um, like this week, we'll be doing just two reviews and a little bit of feedback, and then, you know, that's it. Uh, but we'll also be doing a second show midway through the week. Sometimes there'll be a commentary. Uh, most of the time, it'll be a some kind of movie topic, something that we'll talk about that addresses either what's going on currently and how that ties into movies or other fun topics that we've come up with that we've kind of arranged. Um, Abe and I, we, we have a number of ideas on our plate right now. We'll be kind of putting together a little bit of a schedule so we can give listeners a kind of a heads up on what's going to be coming ahead. Um, but for the time being, uh, just know that, yeah, we'll have two episodes per week and there's going to be a lot of cool content coming your way. Does that sound right, Abe? Yeah. Yeah. Sounds about right. All right. So yeah, uh, Marcus, you're with us this week for our, our double review of these two movies and that you're, you're kind of kicking us off in this new phase of our, uh, helping us kick off this new phase of our podcasting and, and the after the first 400 episodes that we put out here so no no pressure exactly I... <laughs> you, you can be relieved though that there are no games this week <laughs> okay yes awesome as we quickly yes. scramble to make a game only for marcus um okay no, I mean... <laughs> Mark, what's the first letter in marcus's name whoever calls it wins <laughs> z <laughs> um so yeah um we have the review this week. Uh, also this week uh, is going to be our, our commentary track for the month. It is going to be for The World Is Not Enough. This is the upcoming, or this is the um, the, the third Bros, Pierce Brosnan film uh, from the Bond era. Uh, that was going to tie into something that we're going to talk about in a second. Um, but we're going to do it anyway because we plan to, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So stay tuned for that one because that's our commentary as we do every month. Um, let's see, what else? 
Uh, iTunes reviews ratings, good to get those. Helps out our show, helps other people find our show. Um, given the number of people that are probably listening to podcasts these days, uh, it'd, be, it'd be great to kind of get some more reviews and whatnot and pump us up in the old iTunes charts to get some more uh, notoriety on the show. So feel free to, to jump on there. Give us a rating and review. Thank you so much in advance. And, uh, yeah, I think that's going to do it for um, some show notes here. So let's uh, let's get to a, a new top, a new segment that we're going to get into uh, uh, kind of on a weekly basis here, given the way things are. It's called What We Would Have Talked About, where <laughs> we have some brief thoughts on the movie that we would have talked about were theaters still open. And Does this, this get a TM? <laughs> no. Okay. We haven't thought about it yet, but maybe. I haven't, I haven't submitted anything to the patent office. Okay. <laughs> I want to be on board with you guys. You think the patent office is open right now? You can get a patent from home? Mm, is it essential business? It's got to be. You, gotta be. People yeah. are, you're, you're most creative when you're back to do a corner. Corporations are people. <laughs> there we go. Well, yeah. So what we would have talked about on this day is the new James Bond film, No Time to Die, the 25th James Bond film with Daniel Craig, among others, uh, from Corey Fukunaga. Uh, that was the film that we would have talked about if theaters were still open and everything was not uh, as going as planned. Um, but yeah, we're not talking about it, but we can a little bit right now. Um, <laughs> Marcus, you're a Bond fan, right? Yes, I am. Were, were you looking forward to <laughs> No Time to Die? Absolutely not. Yeah, I was. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know what? I'm I'm a Bond fan. I am a uh, a Fukunaga fan. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know. Um, but once his name was attached to this, uh, I couldn't have been more excited. Um, yes, the transition of the Bond thing, that's exciting. There's a lot more to be excited about. Um, the almost three hour runtime, I think. I was kind of down for that, but rumored, I was most excited yeah. for the rumored yeah. three hour runtime. Um, but I think I was most excited for the direction. A lot of people were more excited for the Billie Eilish stuff, but the direction for me, I'm really interested to see what he does eventually. Abe, were you, were you looking forward to, to talking No Time to Die this week? Well, as you know, I haven't seen any of the Bond movies except for maybe one of the old classics, quote-unquote classics, and then uh, these Go new on. series of Bond films with um, Daniel Craig. I, I'm on board with Marcus. I was very curious to see how Fukunaga was going to direct this because we've seen movies that he's directed before, and I love his visual eye. I also like the way that he shoots everything super clean, and it's it's very it's just very visual. And so his his cinematographer is really lockstep with him. Um, sometimes he is his own cinematographer. But the other thing that I'm thinking about is, man, Daniel Craig, he's going to have to, like, work out again in like nine months and then go on another like premiere tour. It's going to be tough for that guy, man. He, he you doesn't he, you think he, he Daniel loves, gets fat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, <laughs> he loves his chips and uh, it's going to be hard for him to be like, fuck now I've got to go. And, like, now I've got to do like two months of workout just to go on the premiere and then, you know, do the premiere circuit all over again. And I've got to look good, but I'm just trying to, I'm trying to live my life here. I'm trying to live, like uh, what's his character from from uh, uh, the Ryan Johnson movie? Benoit Blanc. Benoit Blanc. He's trying to live like Benoit Blanc, man. Give him a donut within a donut. I think Benoit's pretty scared. I think he's super uh, super relieved that he gets to just have a break from all of his right now. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean he doesn't have to do much once he gets back to, to like promoting a movie. It's like yeah, I made this movie. It was, it was a great time. I, mean, I think done. it would be a good idea for him to show up fat, like on the, on the, in November on that movie yeah. circuit. Just maybe fifty pounds overweight. Fifty pounds is a lot. <laughs> no, I'd, I'd like it. I think it. it It'd be good uh, promotion. Regardless yeah. of how Daniel Craig did respond to all this, <laughs> I, I was very much looking forward to this movie. I'm a huge Bond fan. Um, I like Daniel Craig as Bond. I liked everything that was going into this movie as far as, you know, all the filmmakers and what have you involved. Uh, the most exciting thing was that they kept showing the preview every time I went to the theater, and it kept you kept seeing, like, that mo- the scene where, like, the motorcycle, like, flies up the steps and the big trumpets start playing as he, like, 
flies through the air on a motorcycle. It's like, yeah, that's a big Bond moment. I want to see this. Now I have to wait. So it's like, all right, I get it. But still, it's like I was really excited to talk about No Time to Die. Yeah. Uh, but I'll, I'll be excited in uh, November when it presumably comes out, assuming things go slightly back to normal. But we'll see what happens. Maybe. Yeah, right in time for Thanksgiving. Yeah, well... Yeah, No Time to Die is scheduled currently to arrive, I believe, the second week of November, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, second or third week? I'm seeing the 25th, yeah. Is it the 25th? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Okay, yeah. Okay, because now it's like it's currently like Black Widow is the first week of November, because that's where Eternals is going to be. Then like Kong versus Godzilla is somewhere in there, like before. Ooh. It's like a week before Bond, I think, which is super. You know, this dramatic. is shaping up to be a, a packed November. <laughs> yeah, I assume things are gonna move around <laughs> a lot more before we get yeah, there. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, uh, so yeah, no time to die. It's coming soon. I'm excited. We're all excited. All right, well oh. let's let's move on. Let's get to uh, let's get to our first of two reviews. We're gonna talk Tiger Tail. You're my father. I don't even know how to talk to you. I never have. There are many things I never told you. All right, that should have been some of the trailer for Tiger Tail. Writer-director Alan Yang has made a real name for himself in the world of TV, most notably his work with Aziz Ansari on the Netflix series Master of None. With Tiger Tail, Yang makes his feature film debut with a story based on the lives of his immigrant parents. Sima plays Pinju, the elder version of a Taiwanese man we meet at a young age, only to see him grow up, experience his pursuit of the American dream, and see what it cost him in the process. Working with a non-linear narrative, we meet various other characters in Pinju's life, including his mother, his wife, and his daughter. Abe... Where were you? I, I I believe, if I'm not mistaken, we're fans of Master of None on this show. Am I right? Yeah. We're, yes. We're, definitely fans of Master of None. Oh, yeah. And I think for the most part, what's fascinating about this movie is that I think that you saw two bits of it in, in an episode of Master of None where they go and visit Aziz's friend's dad. And they're like, oh, your dad was like super cool. And, you know, Alan Yang has been trying to tell his story um through other means for a while so it's great to see him write direct and produce this movie as far as like the movie goes though you're right that the one the non-linear part is a very hard aspect of this movie you cut through scenes and i think that actually creates a bit of a jarriness to begin with um it becomes a little more cohesive in maybe the middle act because you have a longer time to stay with middle-aged or, or younger young man um uh, grover uh but the movie itself is it's weird because it's it's a personal story but it's done in a way that i think could have been better and it's hard for me to say that because it's you know it's his personal thing um what I mean by that specifically, though, is that I'm not trying to like take a dump on this movie it's just that there are aspects of the characters and there's an aspect of the family that you probably would be more attached to if you had more time to stew with them. Um, for example, his daughter, Angela, she is introduced in the movie. You know who she is, you know she does, but you kind of get through to know her through some bits of flashback. And you also, it, it sort of like turns 180 later. And to be honest, like she's, she's an okay actress. Um, I think that Zima really does bring his a game to this but as you go through here you sort of are piecing together these things then you start to see how hard it was for them to transition from taiwan to america and um all that other uh and everything that comes with it like with his american dream um and it's it's very difficult for me to like piece this together and say like this is a complete comprehensive story that i really understood like i got grover's story um, but I, I kind of was bummed out that you didn't really get to see additional aspects of it. Um, sure. Parts with his daughter, you never really, you never meet his son except for like in one scene. And then you also, and the son is presumably Alan Yang, just like a different version. This is like approximation of who, yeah, who is, yeah. who is successful and, and doing things, uh, in like, Europe. Um, yeah. <laughs> but the other aspect of it, you don't really get to 
you don't really get the aspect of his wife's side of it, and it it would be too long if it, it would probably be like a three hour movie if you got both sides. But I think that there's a lot of ideas here. It, it he had to condense it. He had to like choose which parts to edit out. Um, but as it goes through, it's it's a little uneven in terms of the way that it's trying to tell the story of. Is it a story of hope, redemption? Is it a story of uh, again, I made it is like lin- linear, you know what I mean? So that's kind of where I stand on it. I mean, it's I love the effort and I love the way that he incorporates Taiwanese uh, language, like again, it's Mandarin and then there's Taiwanese. Um, and so he incorporates Taiwanese in there, which is fantastic because um, not a lot of people really hear it all that often. But I do think that it is it comes across as it's it's ambitious. And that's what I like about it. But at the same time, like it's ambitious with like it's it's hard it's it doesn't lack aim, but it it sort of like is missing on its aim if that makes any sense. Yeah, Marcus, what are your thoughts on Tiger Tail? I I I I agree with uneven. Um, for me, the flashbacks were the most effective part of this movie, and when I say effective, I mean they look like the parts that were that Yang put the most effort into. And I don't mean to sound like facetious and say, you know, effort like, oh, he put the least amount of effort in this. But uh, in fact, it's quite the opposite. I I think a lot of the flashback scenes, a bulk of these flashback scenes reminded me of something like in the mood for love. Like they were really, really well, beautifully constructed. There's a scene where they come to America and it's like he buys a piano. And there's a piano montage that is just wonderful. It's wonderful, and there's many shots where they're in cafes back, back in back back in in, in in their home country, and they're she's flirting with a girl, and it's they're very very well constructed scenes. But the present day stuff, I, I know there's a lot of cultural, um, maybe uh, intentional stuff that's happening here with dry or kind of like uh, 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 the way people talk to each other is very stilted, but it really doesn't come through to the audience as anything but kind of melodramatic. And I think this has to do with some of the direction. Maybe Abe's right. Maybe we should have seen more of the the wife story. Maybe we it would have benefited us to see more. This, this might have benefited to be a three-hour movie. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, yeah. But uh, that that present day, all the present day sequences, they they come off kind of cringy to me. I didn't really care about his his fa- the father daughter relationship, and I think this was the f- this was supposed to be the focal point of this movie. Um, even though the the flashback scenes are a majority of the movie, I think the the focus was the father daughter relationship. Um, and I really didn't care. So, so leading up to that, I was really, really anticipating this kind of. It, it gave me this great buildup that I was watching this really great movie. But every time I came back to the present day, and I knew it was going to end on this on a present day note, it was pretty disappointing. So I don't know. It was a rough one um, to to review. I I think I mean I I don't think you guys are wrong. I I think the weaker aspect is the father daughter relationship, and I think that comes down to the writing. I think there's a way to do this that you know matches the intention of the characters and like gets you to you know understand where they're all coming from and be able to kind of juxtapose that well with the flashback material. But it just doesn't because I think the Angela character specifically, his daughter, I think she's underwritten. I don't think there's enough mm-hmm. for her to do. It just comes off as not necessarily one-dimensional, but there's just not a lot there that you either haven't seen before or feels interesting to the story compared to, uh, you know, the, the, what C. Ma's putting out there. Given that you have all of his background and everything to work with, yeah, I mean, there's there's only so much you can do at that point if you're not going to give you know the other character more time to, you know, be a, be somebody beyond she had a strict father and she didn't talk to him much. Like that's it. Um, and it's a shame because I do think, like you guys are saying, the flashback stuff is great. Uh, it's very much – I didn't have a problem distinguishing it whatsoever because it's very much filmed in a specific way, mm-hmm. much like uh, the Gerwig's Little Women last year. There's a, You right. can very much tell which time period you're in because there's a, 
there's a graininess there's a like I, I think it was shot digitally but just has like filters and layers on top of it but like the the flashbacks look like you're saying mark it looks like a Wong Kar Wai film it looks like it has this very yeah. specific kind of mood and atmosphere that it's going for where the present day stuff is very much digitally shot like it feels very clean and that's clearly on purpose i i like that as far as like you said a, a, in an ambitious sort of way like you're getting direction that's very much providing you uh, a, a clear vision of what you want to save in this time versus what you want to say in that time from a you know from a visual direction level um i just wish like like you guys are saying that they're the, kind of the writing was stronger here or there was better direction to kind of indicate more of what was the overall takeaway because i think part of the issue also is that it's a very simple story that's not necessarily right. bad but like there's nothing, there's nothing too complicated about what takes place from a kind of a, a cinematic standpoint it's like you get the complication in terms of making this you know uh, making the viewer think about something comes from the you know non-linearness of it like getting you to instead of just telling a straightforward story where it'd be very simple at least it kind of challenges you by you know, matching certain scenes with others by going back and forth in time. That's cool and all. I like that. But it's, you know, when you look at the story, it's like, there's not, not a lot going on here. I, I respect that Alan Yang wanted to tell the story of his father. That's great. And see Ma, right. among the other actors, I think the other actors are, you know, doing a specifically is his mother, the actor that plays his mother. I think she does a great mm-hmm. job too. But see Ma, right. yeah, he's doing great. Uh, yeah. it's it's the second best film I've seen about C. Ma reflecting on his life of an American daughter in the past year. <laughs> um, so I mean, yeah, he's doing justice in that regard. Um, but the I mean, and one last thing, then we can kind of get into a little broader yeah. discussion. Um, you asked Abe like a kind of story this is trying to tell if it's like a heroic one or what have you. I think it's a tragedy. I, I honestly think that oh yeah, the, I sure. think C. Yeah, Ma's character is a tragic figure where he had to in order to secure himself a better life, he had to give up on things that he really felt for, that he really had, you know, had a passion for in favor of ideally benefiting himself and his mother. And so you, you know, watching this, that's the, that's what kept me going through the present day stuff is the fact that you can reflect on that and think like, this is the man who it's easy. If you know nothing about him to see him as like, you know, a, a, a guy that's very strict and stoic, uh, but if you kind of look at his backstory, it's like, well, this is a guy that also like gave up a lot of stuff and has to reflect on that. Like I, there's some, there's complication there that I enjoy. Of course. Yeah. And I think that's really <clears throat> the part that really resonates with me too, is like, you know, you see pictures of your parents uh, and you're like, Oh, my parents were pretty cool. Like, you know, there's like photos of like my dad riding a motorcycle without a helmet on in, like the sixties, uh, you know, it's black and white. He's got like this cool uh, collared shirt on with like huge lapels. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, yeah, he was a cool guy. Um, and it is unfortunate because I, I agree with you that there is this this melancholiness to the entire story, which is all that it's about. Um, it's about, hey, you know, in order to give up or in order to, to live out my dreams, I have to give up some of my dreams, too. Um, but the other thing that I want to point out just very quickly is the technical aspect. I, I did like what you guys were saying there with the graininess of, uh, of the flashback sequences because when I was watching, I was like, wait. Did they shoot this in like 35 millimeter and then digital? I mean, I it's like, almost, oh. it looks like six, it's like 16 millimeter. Like it's really grainy. Right. Like it's it really very grainy. Yeah. yeah. And so it, it definitely reminded me of uh, like Steve Jobs, where um, you know he he goes through progressions of uh, 1635 and then also just digital. But with all that, the story itself is it is a uh, like I. I really like the, the, the father's story here, and I really like you know like what you said, the grandmother. Um, but coming together at the end there, I was like, man, the emotional impact is not a huge wallop. It is something else. Like, yeah. it, it's unfortunate that it, it didn't really, like, I, I get what you're going for, the 360-ness of it all. You know what I mean? Like, your daughter and you are in disparate places, and then you guys come together, and then, you know, you guys really come together at the homeland. And unfortunately, it just wasn't there. I mean, um, I'll... I think the only other thing I would say uh, just offhand is that with this type of story, it did remind me of, yes, The Farewell to some degree, but it more so reminds me of this movie called um, A Thousand Years of Good Prayer, which okay. is which is like this movie about this Chinese dad who comes to America because his daughter is having issues, and they also have a disconnect, and the dad has to, like, for the most part, he's got to, like, be more he, – he's got to become more acclimated to American culture – but, um, you know, it, it's the same sort of story of, like, my daughter is too American and we have these traditional ways and it's difficult for me to, like, tell her things because we just don't open up. 
um, traditionally. So it, that's what more so reminded me of than, than the farewell. And I think that to compare this to the farewell is, I know that you weren't doing it, Aaron, but if people were to be like, oh, well, it's like the farewell, it's like, they're actually very different stories altogether. Yeah. Um, the only thing that, that in, is in common is that they, you know, one, a, fam- a family migrated to the U.S. and they grew up in the U.S. So um, beyond that, though, they're like completely different. Yeah, I, 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 I totally agree. Um, I, the more we're talking about this, the more I think this should have been a longer movie. I, I think that that the father-daughter um the father daughter or the older older man wife stuff really suffers from not being like the story's not complete it seems mm-hmm. um it seems like everything that was edited was edited on that back half and even if it was it, it, it wasn't filmed particularly you know there's no like kind of tricks or anything like that on that on the present day stuff if it was longer i think if i would have known a little bit more about the daughter or known a little bit more about the wife or something. I, I could see this being a three hour film that worked really well because you give equal time to his baggage and you give equal time to his present day struggles. Um, it just, I don't know. I, I, I really, really liked the, uh, the flashback sequences. I really, really loved them and it just was kind of disappointing to see what was done or what i don't know what the process was or the editing process was but what was done to this present day stuff yeah i just can't get i can't can't get over it and the only thing i'll add to that is is what i found fascinating was i was thinking as i was watching the movie and finished with the movie i was like man i wonder if this would have worked better if it was like shorter um like maybe not ultra condensed but you know the way that an episode like the the episode that I like the most in um, Master of None is the Thanksgiving episode. Yeah, that tells a complete story in like an hour plus, like maybe like just sixty fifty five minutes. I was like, that's a like you know, and Alan Yang works with Aziz, so they've they've done these things, and that's why I, I again I expressed in the beginning, it's like it's great that Alan Yang is able to like breathe a little bit on this one, but at the same time, I was like, I wonder if this would have worked better if it was. Um, if he had to make harder choices because he knew that the runtime was only going to be like one hour long and it is like an episode. I, it's hard to present that as like a full length feature, but still, um, cause I can see bits and pieces that work really well. I mean, yeah, I mean, the, what we're talking about is like a first time director making his film essentially. I mean, right, sure. we've, we've talked, we've, yeah. we've talked, we're talking about a guy who's done a lot of TV and that's not, you know, that's not to diminish the quality of work or the uh, level of creativity or ability that a filmmaker has regardless of, of the course. medium. But I mean, yeah, I, I'd be curious to read more interviews with Alan Yang as far as what his you know choices were in making this story, mm-hmm. because it, it's not like, you know, it's not like he made this film was like, oops, I forgot to do this. Like he, he right. clearly made a very distinct choice and yeah. you know, wanting to focus on the father and what have you. Uh, I would be curious if, yes, there was a a version of this story or a version of his script or what have you that incorporated more details surrounding the lives of both of his parents or if there was more going on in the flash forward stuff or if there was a restraint he wanted to put on himself as far as runtime or how much he wanted yeah. to like dedicate to but i mean i don't have that and what we have is you know this story which i think we all agree you know c- could use more work as far as developing other aspects of it beyond just the the, the main character that said he is the main character and i think that stuff is fairly successful throughout the film mm-hmm. um and i mean going along with it as we've said it just it's it's a good looking movie i think that goes a long yeah. way i think a lot of yeah of i mean course. a lot of the reason why i wanted to watch this movie to begin with was because i know alan yang uh, along with you know other collaborators has done a really good job of like making some you know creative work in the realm of with master of none and with other you know the other shows he's worked on he's worked on parks and recreation parks and rec on, yeah look um, a good place and what ha- mike sure stuff basically yeah um and this uh show what's it uh, it's on um it's on prime with uh maya rudolph and fred armison what's that show called oh um it's like they both died um that's the it's they're like in a weird kind of for for forever is that what you said yeah, yeah, forever. Yeah, forever. That's what it is. So I mean, yeah, seeing him, you know, break out into, you know, into a full feature film, I was, I, I, it delivered what I was expecting as far as a film that has that kind of unique visual style, and I appreciate that. Yeah, and again, mm-hmm. I, I do want to heap praise on Alan Yang, writer, producer, director. You know, an all Asian leading cast. It's right. 
fantastic that he got this done. And I love that the world of funny people and when when they do their personal projects, it's very personal. And that's what I love about it, too. It, you know, there are hints of comedy in here, but there's like what Aaron said, there's, there's a lot of like tragic moments, too, because, you know, a lot of comedians, whenever you talk, uh, they just have like a lot of great ideas, but they also have like a lot of great ideas in terms of their own personal stories as well. And I'm, I, I love that you're able to do this. Uh, so, and I think the last thing I'll say is when I think about this as a script, I uh-huh. love the script. You know what I mean? Like if you were to read this just as a script itself, you'd be like, okay, cool. Flashback to like 1960s Taiwan and they're in the small little club and uh, ambient lights and ambient music. And I was like, if you read through this script, it's a great script, you know what I mean? And so it's just, when I see it visually, it's just, okay, yeah. It, Marcus said it best. The back half of this is a little bit more um, edited in a strange way. Not strange way, but it's more edited than it is uh, than the first half. Any other thoughts on uh, Tiger Tail? Uh, the music is nice, too. I can't say it's like oh, yeah. a super memorable score, but I like the music yeah. choices and what have you. The music choices were really, really nice. And again, this throws me right back to the, the flashback sequences. The songs used, in particular... Mm-hmm. Um, were very, very like he really understood not only the culture but the pop culture and really he really made it a realistic. I don't know anything about you know this era Taiwan nothing, but he really made me connect with these twenty somethings that were in a bar flirting, dancing, asking each other for it. Like I so okay yeah I've seen that I've seen movies like that I've seen. I've never seen uh, a, a Taiwanese story like this, but I've seen other stories like this. It's super relatable. Well, that's the, so I think I think the music really helps with that. That's the thing about making stories that are you know autobiographical or very specific. The more specific you make it, the more relatable it becomes, which is weird right. because if you make it too broad, then it's like, what is this? It's just kind of like this flat story. Right. That's why a lot right. of you know like biopics that just repeat wikipedia don't work for me because it's like there's nothing to connect to with this it's just like and then you did this and then you did that and then you did that it's like whatever but if you take something that's really specific you're gonna find common links between you regardless of how connected you are as a person you're gonna find that connective tissue to like bring it closer right. to your soul or find something within you that's like yeah this is similar to this in some way it's uh yeah. it's neat in that regard yeah sorry sorry really last thing i want to say sure. is that we've seen movies like this where you start from young boy all the way to old man and they oftentimes don't really work. And the reason why is because it's too long of a time frame for somebody to really focus in on something. But again, credit to Alan Yang here to be like, I want to tell the entire story. But he's very good at holding his hand back and being like, I don't want to spend too much time with him as like a seven-year-old. But I do want to spend some time with him as like a 20-something-year-old. And then obviously interspersed throughout is him as like a 50- or 60-year-old. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So credit to that because, you know, I think <laughs> – there's like uh, there's like a um, there's like a song challenge that my friends are making me do, and I just put in some Tupac songs, and you know, Aaron and I reviewed um, uh, the Tupac movie, and it's not good. It's like a Wikipedia movie. So to your point, Aaron, just like now, where it's like, you know, sometimes when you write too long um, and not specific enough, it just goes all over the place. But Alan Yang again, credit to being like, I want to tell this particular story. And this is how I want to say it. And it does work to that degree. Yeah, in addition to movies about people that go from young to old, there, there's you know one story that definitely works is going from old to young. <laughs> like Benjamin Button? Yeah, because as they were getting <laughs> older, he was getting younger. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I had to hold on that for like a minute while you were talking. <laughs> no, I knew. I, I, was, I was trying to set you up there. <laughs> I should have set you up in a different way. It's like, uh, Aaron, are you talking about our friend of the show? <laughs> and then you finish it. Um, all right. What? I guess we got to figure out like our rating now because we're talking about movies that are you know streaming for the most part. Run out and see it. When when should people go and see Tiger Tail? In the theater. <laughs> uh, I I I think I mean. Should this be at the I top think, of your queue, in the middle of the queue? Yeah, or do you for need it sure. On the queue? Listen, <laughs> seven, seven, I don't want it to sound too too. I don't want to sound too overly critical. I, it's, I really, really loved seventy percent of this movie. 
Mm-hmm. So I would put it up there if you're a fan of cinema, of if you if you are uh, want to see uh, just an interesting story uh, about somebody who gave up a lot to come here and start a life and what that process is, and it's not technically a happy tale. It's kind of like a more dirty tale. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would definitely put this on the top of the list. I, I would watch it again, honestly. All right. Abe? Yeah, I mean, I, Marcus said it best. I, I pretty much agree with everything Marcus just said. Yeah, I mean, it, it's the best kind of takeaway. I, I mean, it's if you're if you're interested in this story, if you're interested in what Alan Yang is doing after having seen things like Master of None, then I, I don't see a reason why you wouldn't, you know, be curious about watching this movie. And I mean... Regardless, I do think the movie works overall. I just have specific complaints about some of the things right. going on. So, I mean, there's right. a, there's enough here to be like, yeah, let me put this on Netflix and enjoy some good visuals and a good Zima performance, among other things. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, let's do a quick feed. We got a couple questions for our feedback this week. So we have one that ties specifically to Tiger Tail, and it's uh, what are some films that you enjoy about immigrants? Um, feedback, feedback, feedback. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, these are questions on our out now Facebook page, facebook.com/podcast, um, and yeah, so a number of listeners chimed in with their favorite films about immigrants. Um, let's see, we have here uh, Rachel writes, "In America" is one of my favorites. Scott Ooh. has uh, "The Godfather Part 2. Nippon has "Coming to America." Chris has "Children of Men" and "Dipan." Justin has "District 9." Joe has "Invasion of the Body Snatchers" and "Far and Away." Favorite films about immigrants. Mm-hmm. An American Tale. Yeah. Yes. I. You know what? I recently rewatched uh, Sugar. Sugar's um, great. Yeah. With, uh, Sugar yeah. is fantastic, Come and out. it's one of my favorite, uh, I guess, foreign films. But um, I, I think it's fantastic, and I think it's 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 very very uh, a very grounded film, a very realistic film. Even though he's recruited to play baseball, it's it's very very realistic about what the American dream actually turns out to be mm-hmm. so i think yeah if you haven't seen it yeah that's that's a good one that's from a boat and fleck they went on to do yeah. um captain marvel of course but um right. yeah but they, they did that they did half nelson before that which i really yeah, liked that's right yeah and they um they did what's the it show. they did um mississippi grind a couple years back oh yes with, that's uh, right. with ben mendelson and ryan reynolds that's another ryan movie that's reynolds, really good yeah. mm-hmm. um so uh yeah the, i had a few I mean, ones that were mentioned already but um also uh, brooklyn um, oh yeah! Oh yeah! Yeah, the the visitor with uh, Richard Jenkins. I think that's a really good movie. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, Dirty pretty things. It's a, <laughs> that's a good, that's a solid Hitchcockian thriller. Uh, Stranger than Paradise, the Jim Jarmusch film. Uh, and yeah, we we mentioned all the other ones. American I, American Tale was on my list too. That's a good one. <laughs> Godfather was my go-to example. Yeah, for sure. Godfather Part Two, <laughs> part two. Is, yeah. like the way that they recreated all of like Ellis Island. Uh-huh. It's like, how do they do this? So it was pretty great. And In America is a really good story. That, that's that's a really good movie. Also, to Marcus's point, last last thing about Tiger Tail, great great recreation of like 1960s 1970s New York. Like I know that's only like two locations, but still it looked really good. It does the job, yeah. When you <laughs> you find some old stuff, bathe it in atmosphere to make it look as old as it can. <laughs> yeah, it does yeah. The yeah. Job. All right, let's move on to our next review for Uncorked. I don't want to take over the restaurant. You know how hard your grandfather worked to keep this stand in the family? This place is historic. Frankie Beverly had a stroke there. Mm-hmm. That boy want to come and throw everything he away. He throwing you away, Lewis. Ever since I started school, you've been giving me a hard time. Because you think you better than us. You will be tested on your theory. Well, if I'm not good, then what? Elijah, this is your life. And at the end of the day, only one living it is you. How do you choose between family and your dream? There's always going to be a reason we shouldn't do something. If that's your dream, then do it. You cook a red meat, I go to Pinot Noir. Cook a white, I say the Albert Bichel Mouton. Mouton. You know it's fancy because it's incursive. We're done. That should have been some of the trailer for Uncorked. Elijah is a bright young man working at a wine business and his family's barbecue restaurant. While Elijah's father, Louis, wants his son to take over the family business, Elijah has aspirations of becoming a master sommelier. 
Despite objections, Elijah enters the Master Sommelier program and begins working to balance his family life with making it through this challenging program. Marcus, what are your thoughts on Uncorked? Okay, so I thought that, yeah, it starts off pretty conventional. It's a young man trying to chase his dreams and his father's disappointed and we kind of know where this is going. But um, what's his name? Prentice? Prentice? Penny, the Prentice Penny, yeah. Prentice Penny, um, the writer, the writer director here gives us a second half, he, which is very, very almost unexpected, and makes the film grounded, uh, relatable, and realistic. Um, but the real reason I think this movie works is, you know, speaking as a black man myself. It's not every day that you see a person of color in cinema training to be a sommelier, um, let alone drinking wine. So I think there's a sense of boldness to this really simplistic touch where Penny says black people can be anything they want. He, he further uh, highlights this point by creating these side characters that come off as kind of stereotypical before introducing this atypical African-American character um, who dreams of being this sommelier, which is a pretty, it's kind of a common vocation, but cinematically it's seen as this Caucasian vocation. And I think that's why this movie sings the way it does. It, 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 it quietly refuses to be boxed in. Um, for me, yeah, for sure. I could recommend this if you're if you're a wine enthusiast. It has a lot of good wine stuff, and there is a, a, a lot to be said for the what uh, the writer uh, director does um, with the music and the culture stuff here. He, he really, really makes it seem like we are in uh, 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 in Memphis. Um, but I think above all of that, this is a well-made movie about an African. American person who's doing something cinematically different. So I always, always, always encourage that. I'm always like, yes, more of that, please. Hey, what are your thoughts on Uncorked? When I watched it, because I watched these movies back to back, I was like, oh, I'm kind of surprised that both of them are sort of the same in that they have this first director type, not jutteriness, but there's a lot of ideas that are coming out that um, are some are explained better than others. And in general, I agree with Marcus that there is a very uniqueness about Elisha's character that's like, hey, by the way, uh, I want to go into this profession because I really like it, and I don't really want to go through with, you know, following up with the family business. And Courtney Reeve Vance really does a great job of saying, like, great, you know what, you know, I'm going to be the hard guy, but at the same time, I'm also going to, like, really try and come around to you at the end there, which is a great story of, like, father-son-ness. Um, as the movie goes, though, I, I did like some aspects of it, which is the competition that is involved with the sommelier um, uh, school, uh, I would guess. And it, it sort of makes uh, – it sort of adds, like, some additional intrigue or some additional, like um, – uh, I don't even know what the term would be. Like, the stakes. action of it. Yeah, stakes, action. And so it's like, oh, cool. Well, I see where you're going here now. and Because it's a barbecue place. <laughs> oh, I'll you. Oh, you. Oh, the homonym. <laughs> uh, but as the movie goes along there, you start to get a sense of uh, just like the grandeur of it all. It's like, okay, cool. Now we're going to go to Paris and we're going to go to France and, and I'm really going to try and do this. And, you know, um, I do like the way that it ends up because it has like a sense of realness, but then it also adds like this layer of um, additional additional fire to what Elijah's trying to accomplish. The thing that I will say is that it's a strange movie on a technical level because as as much information as I was getting from this movie, it also felt like it was a little bit long too, but I was like, oh, it's only like an hour and a half. It's strange that they can... It, it just it felt slow and fast at the same time, if that makes any sense. And it's because I, I, I seemingly was getting a taste of everything and then also a taste of like a slow beginning to the, to the Elijah story, um, which is strange. But the only other thing I'll say is that Courtney B. Vance, you know, I know that all these other people here are somewhat first time actors, minus like maybe, um, uh, Nancy, uh, Nancy Nash, Nancy Nash. 
who you've seen before, but Cordy Vance is like acting circles around some of these people, and it's just like when you see him on the screen, I'm just like, yeah, cool, wow, this is amazing, like he's fantastic. So on the whole, I still found it a little uneven, just like I found Tiger Tail, um, perhaps with a little bit stronger of like a close though. I I really like this movie. Uh, I think Courtney B. Vance, like you're saying, is very good at it. He you know he he he's a gift to this film as far as adding some more kind of legitimacy to it. But even then, I think Nisi Nash is very good as the mom. Um, mm-hmm. You get some <laughs> you get some really emotional stuff in there, given the situation involving those characters that I responded to. But uh, I and I've seen this act. I've seen him a couple a few times now, and, and film is kind of on the rise. But uh, Mamadou Ati, who plays Elijah, mm-hmm. the main star, I think he's very good here. I think he has to do some tricky stuff as far as. Uh, playing closed off and awkward to some of his family while also being expressive about the things he likes and, you know, kind not necessarily jerky, but, you know, kind of like he has to be kind of an antagonist to his own father as far as, you know, not wanting to be in this business. But like Marcus, you're saying the film has a, it, you know, it evolves. It has to kind of go from here's the story about this guy who wants to do this thing to here's a guy who has to really balance everything in his life in order to, Sat, try to satisfy himself, but mainly satisfy his family. And I think that's really important to the success of this movie. I, I think it gets across that message quite well. And I think Prentice Penny does a really good job of bringing a lot of style to this. I think there's, there's a, given the unique like location, you have Memphis and you and you have eventually Paris, but you have this mm-hmm. kind of the way it's using this city and emphasizing what it needs to in terms of the barbecue aspect and like how that works, which includes like the log, the kind of wood he has to get for to to make the barbecue he wants to make and what have you, along with the wine and like what you're seeing as far as not just this guy likes wine and wants to do that, but like understanding what it takes to be a sommelier in whatever, you know, abbreviated fashion you can do that in and make that watchable fun film. I think all that all those aspects really combine well to make something I haven't really seen before as far as this kind of stuff i you know you've seen father son son stories before what have you you've seen this kind of journey that a character takes on a kind of small scale level but as far as these specific details and like how it's choosing to show it to me i found that all really intriguing i was really like taken in and wrapped into the story and i also like that it's a drama but the characters are all like grounded in a way where it's fun like it's fun to watch this movie i like these characters I, there's no bad guy in this movie I appreciated that. I appreciated that it like it has this grounded sense of realism, even though it, like it tries to kind of play with like the style as far as you know giving you some cool montages or some you know some fun soundtrack choice or whatnot. It's like it's a likable movie to watch because the characters aren't like dicks to each other. They're like it's it's yeah. it's enjoyable in that regard. I I, I just want to I, I just want to speak to the character um, of uh, what was his name Elijah Elijah mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah which so, by the so, way it's 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 a uh, it's Passover right now and part of it is yes. leaving wine out for Elijah which is like that's very funny to me <laughs> there we go <laughs> I didn't even think of that no 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 we thought about that Aaron we're talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> of course that was on purpose um, these characters uh, these minority characters that are don't act like people that you would see on BT, right? Uh-huh. Uh, these characters, I'm, I'm speaking to uh, Elijah in here or uh, Get Out, main character in Get Out, or, you know, you're, so, I mean, stuff like that. You're, these, talking about, these, you're talking about black geeks like us, essentially. Yeah, we have very specific geeks, focuses okay, that don't Very know. specifically black <laughs> geeks. I, I really champion movies like that. And maybe I did like this movie more than than I should have because of that, because it spoke to me personally. Um, I, I, I'm really impressed with how these type of characters, these very specific characters are handled in time and time and time and time again in, in more recent movies. So I just wanted to say that Um, I I think uh, Printance Penny does a a really good job at directing this, but um, what was his name? Um, Mamadou Ati. Uh, Mamadou Ati. He, uh-huh. he, he, I first saw him in, uh, uh, what was that? Uh, the one where he, that lady is a, that girl's a rapper. Oh, uh, um, Patty Cakes. Um, Patty yeah. Cakes. And he plays this very unconform. It, 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 it's, it's, it's kind of like a, it's a hard rock, a black guy who loves hard rock. And he's very, 
like down and soft spoken and he doesn't speak like the stereotypical way you would you would see people cinematically speak that are from that area so i i really 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 appreciate an actor like that that can take a role like that and make it natural and make it good and he th- speaks to me personally i don't know i just had to say that. well it put me on the right track when the movie started where he like there's uh, like uh, two women walk into the wine business that he works at and he he tries to break down like what yeah. wine are you looking for and he's like what you like hip hop and he like he, he relates the different wines to a hip hop and he's like this guy's likable like i get this guy like i i i want to see where this is going like that brought me into a good place abe i understand what you're saying as far as the story it rides on conventions a bit enough to you know it has to follow a certain flow and so from that yeah i can see it becoming uneven to some degree as far as what is trying to balance what you know right. is kind of going to happen and like what what other characters there are to kind of work with. I mean, I, I yeah. get that. It's just I, I and like I, think, I like these core people enough to kind of yeah. look over that. Is I guess where I'm at. For sure. And, and again, I root for Elijah too because not not because he's unconventional or whatever else, but because you just the character is engrossing enough. You're like, no, I want this guy to succeed. I really, I, I like, I'm backing him full force because you know he's got a dream that he wants to accomplish, and I want to see him get it. Uh, I think the, the unevenness sort of comes from. Tonally, it's strange because some sometimes it's more comedic than others, and then it also becomes a little bit more uh, serious to some degree. Um, and that's not unseen in movies, but I think that they, I, I think that at the end of it, I wasn't sure is this a drama or is this just like a straight like um, telling of story. Uh, so that's the where some of the unknowns came for me, and the the direction of this is very good. I, I, I do like the aspects that he brings to the city of Memphis um, and how he essentially, it, it's, I was like, some of these cut scenes and some of these, um, whatchamacallit, um, what's that term? Ugh. Where you basically just get a whole bunch of scenes from like the city and whatever else. I, I forget the term for it, but, um, establishing shots or montage, establishing shots, montage? but also mo- montage. And yeah, they're all, they're all part of it, but there's like another term that I use for it, but yes, all that stuff. It's clear that it's somebody who's locally from there. You wouldn't have had those stuff, those things in there, unless you like were told to go shoot at uh, this particular barbecue spot and then like go down this street and see this stuff. It's like, no, this is like somebody who's local or has like a very strong um, knowledge of the city. So I do appreciate that uh, Pretense Penny is really saying like, hey, this is like a story that I really want to tell, and I think it's only his. Is it his first, or it's is his it first, his uh, just just like um, Alan Yang? It's his it's his first feature film. He's been, he's, been, he's a huge TV guy. He's worked he's right. worked in Insecure, Brooklyn Nine Nine, Happy Endings, Scrubs. Like he's been around for a while in the TV game. But yeah, this is his first like movie. Yeah. So in general, the large thing that I found uneven about it was just okay, cool. You have a story here to tell, but like what Tiger Tail, like I said, you just have a lot of ideas here, and when you have all these ideas. Um, sometimes you lose a little bit of focus on on uh, the story that you're trying to tell. But overall, it's not a terrible effort at all. Any other thoughts on Uncork? I'm trying to think of anything else I wanted to say about the movie. But uh... Uh, The other thing is also I started looking up some sommelier classes. Yeah. And, and I was like, how expensive is this place? Because uh, I was like, wait a minute. It cost him like you know $10,000 to go to Paris. And it's going to cost him like he's, he's going to dip into his savings to go to these, these classes locally in Tennessee. And I was like looking at these prices. I was like, they're not terrible, but they they do encompass like a lot of classes. So they're, they I saw a range from like four hundred dollars to like twelve hundred dollars. And I was like, it's it's kind of doable, but I guess it depends on on how many classes you take. So I didn't know. I, I looked up like sommelier school specifically, and I was wondering like, is this like an undergraduate degree that you had to pay like fifty thousand dollars for? But I didn't really get a great answer. So if somebody knows how much a school costs for this. Let me know because I was like, I don't know how expensive this is. Like, I is this just like you know, a, a crazy, wildly out of out of reach goal, or is it like something that's like okay, it's like like twelve thousand dollars, but you know, I, mean, you have, right. I, it, it, I I know what you're saying, and it's I, I get it, but it's also it is speaking to kind of a, a low key theme running throughout the movie as far as you know a black business, um, and how successful they are, and a young man who's you know using the the money he has which is from his savings to go up for this thing and it's right. all he has versus you know 
the other characters that are he meets that are in the Somalia program that are right. they are white mostly and they and, yeah. and, they're, and they generally come from rich families and versus you know a kid in Memphis that you know comes from a you know family that owns a barbecue business and they have to you know right. struggle in their own ways they have a mother that's dealing with cancer so I mean there's there, there's some there's some low key stuff there that it doesn't hit up it doesn't try to hit upon that because oh, it, yeah. really, it yeah. doesn't really need to but I do think yeah. it, it, I, I would love to... to see Abe mm-hmm. pursue this dream of his. <laughs> <laughs> the Somali business. <laughs> the Somali. But, you know, the temperature is like acidic, medium. Uh, okay. Color is a little bit uh, gold. Uh, new world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, new world. It's from the uh, the the Rhone province. <laughs> <laughs> but as far as like it goes with like two worlds, it is very cool to see. Like, great, you know, I want to break out of these these molds because you've seen these stories before too. Just the same that it's very cool that we're talking about Tiger Tail and Uncorked this week because they have very uh, similar themes. Um, but you've seen Uncorked before too, where it's like a family, uh, a family that has a local business that want their son or daughter wants to like break out of it. Um, but they've often been overly dramatic sometimes, or they're just like straight dramas, and that's where it's like, okay, cool. Well, you know, uh, this is a little bit overbearing, but sometimes you know I get what you're what you're going for. And this story is that similar story, but it also incorporates elements of, I don't know, like I guess you would call fresh elements to it where it's not just overbearing and the son isn't the uh, typical um, archetype. Because uh, like what you guys are saying, he's he's kind of nerdish to some degree. Um, and I haven't seen Patty Cakes, but the way you're describing it is like, oh, cool. He's like also different in that movie, too. He plays a very introverted character in that yeah. film. Where mm-hmm. here he's you know he's he's outgoing he's an out, he's a he's a he's right. a person that has a friend that can that has friends that can get a girlfriend that can you know be a, a be a guy that serves wine to people and you know wants to be t- wants to be recommended. Mm-hmm. I mean, and like he, I mean he's popped up in other things. Generally he's like the straight guy, like he's in what um was the the Hugh Jackman the front runner where he's just like he's a Washington Post reporter in that movie. Like he but um oh cool. Did you guys ever see the uh, that FX cake? I don't know those little no. segments. He, he has an yeah. ongoing segment uh, called Oh Jerome No. It's like this maybe five, ten minute series on there, and he's wonderful. But he plays a similar kind of – he's not as outgoing, but he plays this character where stuff kind of goes wrong. But mm-hmm. it's kind of a side uh, – it's, it's, it's just – it's it's not put in the, f- in, 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 in the front that he is – this black guy that speaks the way he does, that hangs out with all white people, it's just he's just another guy that's mm-hmm. doing this and stuff's happening to him. So I really that I do really enjoy him bringing that to the table specifically. Yeah. Oh, he was on the Get Down too. The he's he's, Gram, he's Grandmaster Flash. So that's more of like that that kind of like introspective guy that speaks in a serious voice and what have you. He's right. apparently cast in Jurassic World Dominion. Um, so we'll see if he plays more than the black guy that's screaming and running from dinosaurs. But we'll see what happens. <laughs> if he's not playing that high five to Colin Trevorrow. <laughs> no, well, I mean, they've got, uh, who's the guy from Pokemon? Yeah, ju- uh, Justice Smith. Justice, Justice Smith. Yeah. They've got Justice Smith. So maybe he's going to be, uh, you know, bad security guard that uh, turns on the team. I don't know. Bad security guard that turns on the team. <laughs> like you know this. what I mean? Yeah. He's going to be beating Wong's henchman. He will be another clone. Remember how there are clones in that movie? In the previous one? <laughs> Wait, remember how that In the previous oh, Jurassic right. World? Yeah, remember? There are clones. There's a clone. That is so weird. Yeah. And the dinosaurs are like, you know what? You know what could spice this story up? If we had a clone girl in there. <laughs> you know what? You know, we next for Jurassic World that we needed like a velociraptor in a lab coat with glasses on. Oh, that's where I assume Dominion's going to be mostly about. <laughs> the Bobby. Island of Dr. Moreau Part 2? Yeah, they're all they're, they're <laughs> all the dinosaurs are running loose, and they finally evolved to a point where some of them were like, "We got to get back on that island." And he's like, "You're right." Chair swivels around, and it's a raptor like, like collapsing his hands together. Yes, we do need to get the dinosaurs back on the island. As <laughs> he tips his glasses. It's actually a she because all the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park are are female. Uh, life finds a way, Abe. Uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> When should Not people that successfully retcon Jurassic World? <laughs> when should people see Uncorked? <laughs> I think I think yeah it's 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 I would give it the same recommendation as I as I as I did uh, Tiger Tail, um, see it 
put it at the top of your list. It's enjoyable at the very least. It's a little more conventional um, in story, but it's enjoyable. Yeah, I'd say that it's it's a perfectly place where it is on Netflix. I don't know if I would say top of the queue, but it's I'm a little bit less on it than you guys are. Okay. But um, it is it is like something that if you are curious about it, you can check it out. Strong recommend for me. I think the movie works really well. I think it's well acted. I think the style's there. I think the story's interesting. So yeah, all the all the things you want in a movie that you can conveniently watch in your home, it's right in here in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's I get like it's R right, but I mean it's just like language. It is? Like I believe so, but I th- it's just like language. Like there's nothing. So it's like not to say it's like this is a family movie you can't miss, but I mean it's an enjoyable movie that I think most people can like kind of watch. This is rated R. I think yeah, like, so? do they have those ratings? Like, on... it's TV. Sorry, it's TVMA. That's the classification it has. Is it okay. for like the bad language in the songs in the yeah, background? That's, that's what I'm saying. I mean, it's just, it's also, it's yeah. just language. Like that's it. It's like... oh, I think that's. I think that is the thing that shows up on your top left when you're watching it. It's like I'm saying, yeah, that, I'm looking at it right now. It's saying TVMA. Like, is <laughs> it was supposed to debut at South by Southwest, and then just like went straight to Netflix after that. So like they didn't. Right get a like an official classification from like the mpa so got it um all right uh there, we did have a out now feedback question here as well um let's see where did i have where did i go it is uh favorite films about restaurants or films that use restaurants as a key location yeah and um mm. sorry i just had it up here we go um jeffrey writes uh, do the right thing because of south pizzeria oh yeah <laughs> And uh, Chris has, I know it's not a restaurant, but the chef count? Such an awesome yeah, film. That's what sure, yeah. I it's mean, a mobile, he it's a had mobile a, restaurant. He had a restaurant. He had a restaurant, yeah. Restaurant. But then he yeah. gets a food truck, yeah. There's, yeah. there's, there's chairs. <laughs> chairs. <laughs> uh, I want to throw in a Good Burger. I, I oh. thought you would. I specifically <laughs> didn't. I specifically really? didn't write put Good Burger down because I figured you're probably going to mention Good Burger. Yeah. Uh, there was like this. There was like one summer when I watched Good Burger, and all I did was like eat these burgers from like Carl's Jr. Um, or Hardee's if you're in the middle of the country, um, and I would just pretend that it was a Good Burger, and I would sing the Good Burger song to myself. That's, that's I was like twelve. Very special. This was last week. Yeah, this is the last one. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Marcus. I uh, I got a, <laughs> I got a couple. Uh, Ratatouille. Um, uh-huh. Anyone the, can cook. The trip movies, because they all like they go to just all these different restaurants. Just restaurants. Like yeah. yeah. Uh, this movie called Dinner Rush with Danny Aiello that I really like. That's uh-huh. that nobody's seen, <laughs> but it's really another uh, alum of Do the Right Thing. And uh, and Big Night, which I just watched not too long ago, a uh, movie. Night. Yeah, Stanley Tucci directed it back in '96. It has him and Tony Shalhoub as brothers in this Italian restaurant. And that their, cracks. And their business is gonna go out of business unless they have a really big night of uh, you know of uh, restauranting, doing a great job. Uh, it's re- it's really good. It's on Prime right now. I, I re- it's a really good movie. Um, uh, yeah. Oh, let's see. Uh, I would, I would, I want to throw in "Always Be My Maybe" because it has that fantastic restaurant scene with Keanu Reeves, where they're <laughs> at that what is that futuristic fusion something, and they're eating, <laughs> and he wants a micro burger to go or whatever. Um, so I was great callback there. Isn't she a chef? Isn't that the thing? Yeah, she's, she's a chef. Yeah, I didn't. She's a chef of that movie, right? She's, she's a successful the chef. But I love the part where there's like, oh yeah, uh, we're just eating like the essence of pork ear or something, and I was like, what is this? Is completely something that is happening in San Francisco right now. I'm yeah, sure. exactly. I was like, oh, I yeah. <laughs> All right, well that was feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. I'm surprised nobody said burnt. Well, because we wanted to mention good movies. Well, with that, that's uh, that's it. That's the, that's the reviews we're doing. That's what we're gonna do this week. Um, let's see. Uh, next week's show, we're gonna we're figuring that out still. We got some yep. options here. We'll let the folks know. Yeah. yeah. But uh, without that, that's gonna do it for this week's episode about now there and Dave. You can find more of my work, my personal blog, thecodezeek.com. Everything I do ends up over there. I'm also writing uh, brief reviews over Wheel of Entertainment, and I'm on Twitter at AaronsPS4. Abe. I'm more friends for my Instagram, Abe.Mula, and Twitter.com/slash/WalrusMoose. Hashtag. You burnt. <laughs> <laughs> Good thing right there. That was the first thing I thought of. 
Marcus Robinson, where can people find more of you online? <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, moviesmarcus.com, uh, Movies Marcus. Um, if you want to friend me, I'll friend you. Um, yeah, whatever, you know, we're, 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 we're all in this together. Great. That, that, that is actually a really nice uh, parting thought, Marcus. Thank there you. There we really. go. There we go. You can find all the other episodes of Out Now at their name on iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify, and Stitcher. SoundCloud, Podomatic, or HHWLOD. Feel free to email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Or write on our wall Facebook.com slash outnowpodcast or twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. And of course, our Instagram page, instagram.com slash outnowscore underscore podcast as well. Uh, Marcus, thank you very much for joining us. Marcus, thank you for Just joining us in like this new mini-series of Out Now with Aaron and Abe. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me. For sure. I can't wait for. Uh, is there another Medea movie or? What's, what's the next thing coming? <laughs> if if there is one, you're on the list. <laughs> All right, I can't wait. Black Panther, third two. You got a while on that, but yeah. Is that uh, supposed to come out? Twenty twenty two. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll see you then. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, so yeah. Uh, thanks again joining us thanks to the listeners for listening stay tuned for a world is not enough commentary track coming later this week but until next time so long and goodbye go on swivels around and it's a raptor like like collapsing his hands together yes we do need to get the dinosaurs back on the island <laughs> as he tips his glasses it's actually a she because all the dinosaurs in jurassic park are, are female uh life finds a way Abe.